0: Welcome back to the Bearcat Tip Off Talk podcast presented by Taxley. Taxley offers the first apprenticeship program for careers in tax law and consulting. So, for those who thought the CPA was the only way to a prestigious tax career, let Taxley show you the importance of becoming an enrolled agent. Visit taxley.com to learn more. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former Bearcat basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the Hall of Fame coach, Bob Huggins.
1: And I'm Neil Meyer with the Front Office News.
0: And I'm
2: JT Smith, editor in chief of the Front Office News.
0: All right, fellas, it's been a while, so let's jump right into it and recap the AAC conference tourney. The Bearcats beat Temple 84 to 54 and lose to Houston 48 to 69. JT, thoughts on the Bearcats performance. Yeah,
2: roller coaster, man. You have the high of dominating Temple playing probably their best game of the season. And then you have the low of losing to Houston. Um, And after playing them so well on the road, on a neutral site, you know, Bearcat fans, even though, you know, Houston is arguably the best team in the country, you barely lose to them on the road. And then in a neutral site, I mean, they, they they handled them. Even without Marcus Sasser, Sasser was out for, what, Two thirds of the game and they still handled them. So it was just kind of like the high and the low, man. Um, where you kind of thought that they would be able to keep it close no matter what, and they 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 were not able to. So, but you know, it is what it is. But yeah, that's that's what happened, man. It was the high of Temple and the low of Houston.
0: The highs and the lows. You said it was a yep. roller coaster ride. Yep. Yep. Kings Island will be open up soon. Hey, is Kings Island <laughs> is that is Kings Island open year around now? I don't know.
1: I don't think Ooh. so. I think they I did the winter so. the winter like festival kind of thing and then I think they shut it down there right before the holidays.
0: Okay. That was I'm yeah. sorry. That was really random, but I just needed yeah. to- <laughs> <laughs> Hey Neil, what stuck out to you?
1: Yeah, so obviously I was down there in Fort Worth for the week, but what stood out to me was the Performance First Temple. I think they found themselves in a 16 to 6 hole early, but how they responded in the second segment to really boost themselves in day one uh, versus Temple was phenomenal. I thought Dan Skillings provided the spark they needed off the bench. Obviously, he had a 7-0 run by himself uh, there in the game versus Temple that really set the momentum. And that was the run they needed because once that run came, they did not look back. They blew things open. It was a 30-point win. So I loved, personally, what I saw versus Temple. It was a lot different of a matchup than what we saw back at Fifth Third Arena a couple weeks ago. They found a great way to eliminate Damian Dunn. Uh, I thought Landers Nolly did a terrific job defending him. However, the game versus Houston, I think they found themselves in a hole early. And that's what changed from that Friday game to the Saturday game was versus Temple. They found themselves in a hole early, but they were able to respond. Versus Houston, they just weren't able to respond because Houston's a dynamic team. They were up 11-2, I think, at one point. And then even with the Sasser injury, like, the first of all, that injury happened right in front of me. I definitely didn't think it was a groin when it first happened. But, however, he was good to get up, walk off. So, glad to see Marcus Sasser, A, back healthy. Not 100%, obviously, but good to see, like, it was just a minor injury compared to something that could have been a lot worse. However. They just could not respond versus Houston. Houston is a good team. They have very active hands-on defense who like to to pressure the ball. But overall, like Houston just dominated the glass. They had no answer for Jace Walker and Jawan Roberts. I thought they were just getting beat inside. Uh, But overall, like that 11-2 to run, like they just could not overcome it. And that was the difference maker in that one. Yeah, you
0: know, I I was – I was surprised by the Houston performance because I I thought we really hit our stride the last two games. And I I thought the Houston game was going to go differently in terms of it was going to be a battle all the way to the end. Now, I didn't know if the Bearcats would, you know, win or lose, but I I thought it would be a battle to the end. And I was disappointed in that. And And quickly, I don't know if you guys knew that Aaron McKee was on the hot seat. I, I didn't realize that for Temple. I mean, he got fired after that game.
1: Yeah, I actually spoke to him right before he got fired. Like the day before after it. Uh from what I've talked to well, he talked post game, like he was a great conversation. I thought I me personally, I thought he was doing a fantastic job in rebuilding Temple basketball. Obviously, this was their best season in many years. I thought I thought McKee was doing a great job. I thought he was a very good leader for that program, but I definitely was kind of shocked. To see him go, uh, especially, I mean, a 30 point loss is never something ideal for a team. But I I was not expecting Aaron McKee to be gone after the AAC tournament.
0: I wasn't either. JT? For
2: sure. No, nah, I didn't think he was on the high seat. I know I mean, you know, it's been a little iffy for Temple lately, but I mean, they started off so well, you know, they kind of fizzled at the end. But, you know, when Khalif Battle is, you know off the team. That doesn't help as well. But yeah, it's just, it, I didn't definitely didn't see that coming. I thought he at least had another year. I mean, I thought they showed a tremendous improvement from the previous year. So I don't know. You, you
0: never know. You never you
2: know. know, man. I guess when you're not covering them, you don't, not, you don't got your ear to the street like that. Maybe, you yeah. I mean, must've been some kind of rumblings before.
1: And it wasn't just Aaron McKee either from the AAC that got released to their duties after, The conference tournament Brian Gregory was out at USF and then Isaac Brown was out at Wichita State which I was I I think that was the one that caught me by the most surprise was Isaac Brown leaving because they played Wichita State played I believe it was Tulane very well on Saturday night like it was a close game I thought it was a fantastic game it came down I think it was only like a four point five point difference like down to the end like I thought Wichita State was playing some of their best ball of the season right there, but they ended up cutting ties with him after the conference tournament as well, which was something I wasn't expecting either.
0: You know, Brian Gregory, um, I've known him for a long time, Um, back to the days when he was at Dayton. And um, we had some kids from the Shining Star Program that played for him at Dayton. And uh, so, yeah, it was uh, sad to see that uh, he got let go. and uh on the Wichita State front, that did not surprise me one bit. Um, I knew he was gonna get canned. I'm gonna tell you why. Um, the the last three walk-ons for Wichita State, I've become really, really close with they're all they're all kind of related, mm-hmm. but they told me that it's it's been a lot of it's because remember, he was the interim coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they gave him the head coaching, but when um uh, what was the last coach's name? Uh, Greg Marshall. Uh, Greg Marshall. Yeah. So when, when as they call him, GM, when he got fired, a lot of the fans that were, you know, I guess you want to call them the, the long, uh, what do you call them, like the, the fans that have been there for a long time, the, the donors and all that were really upset that he got fired and all that. And so they don't, a lot of the people think, you know, Coach Brown wasn't going to give, be given a fair shake you know what i'm saying oh, okay just because people yeah. were so right it almost like man, gosh this is maybe a bad comparison but like when huggins got fired everybody was like he shouldn't be fired f the new coach and they give the new coach a hard time or something like that not that they you know gave him yeah. a really tough time but i think that was kind of the reaction there amongst the, the people that really support uh, wichita state but uh so so anyway um with the Temple game, a couple things um, that stuck out to me. Um, I think we forced Temple into 15 turnovers, uh, won the glass 42 to 40. We also had 40 points in the paint. Um, that's that's impressive. Uh, and it was good to see Micah have yeah. a game. Right, JT? Yeah,
2: for sure. It was huge, man. It was <laughs> just it was it was all there, and just within 24 hours, man, it was <laughs> hours, all gone. It was all gone.
1: What, I mean, what, what I think time. that was Micah's best performance in what a month and a half.
2: It's been. A long I mean, time. It's, been a long it's, been, it's been a
1: long time. Twenty points, seven for eleven from the field, and I will say this: I think it wasn't that he was doing something to throw uh to uh Temple off. He was getting some good, like he was getting his looks and they were just, there were some good shots. Like he wasn't taking no bad shots. No one was taking these ridiculous shots. Like Micah Adams-Woods was really one of the difference makers in that one because to have a shooting night like he's had, especially after having a slump, was great to see because as we talked about, David DeJulius really struggled there down in Fort Worth. So seeing that production there in the first game scoring 20, Dan Skilling scoring a career high, Landers scoring for 22, and then Wes talked about the post game. He goes, you can win by 30, and David DeJulius only have four points. That's the performance. Like, you know, you need someone to step up, but David's not going to get just four points in any game and be happy with it. Yeah. And I think when you know, like, Dave's struggling and you can have another guy step in, in this case it was Micah and Dan, I thought the Bearcats played arguably their best game of the season right there in Fort Worth.
0: Yeah, I, th- I thought it was one of the, yeah, definitely one of the one of the best yeah. games. It's always good to play like that at the end of the season or towards the end of the season. But yeah. I was just disappointed in the Houston game. We got, yeah, right. We got completely killed on the boards and and, and Jake man. Yeah, it was like
1: Vic six nothing early.
2: Like- I mean, they big guys made Vic look like he was six two. You know what Perfect. I mean, like. Jawan Roberts
1: was a physical problem.
2: dog. I mean, they just dogged us. Like it was. I didn't expect them to do. You see, like that. Like I. I mean, of course they're the favorite. So like, if somebody was like, oh, "Who who you think will win?" You know, of course, you know, you you somebody say Houston, you, you that's not a inaccurate thing to say. But I thought like, you see, if they lost, it would be like eight points but it's because they had to foul. They missed a shot, and they had to foul, and they, hit, they yeah. hit some free throws at the end and kind of caked it off. That's uh,
0: that's how I thought it was going to go.
2: Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I know Houston's a better team. They're more rounded. I mean, Kelvin Sampson's got a well-oiled machine down there. Don't get me wrong, but I just thought the way they played them at Houston, even though that was right when before they started slumping, yeah. it still was like I thought that was going to give them enough shot in the arm to play better. On a neutral court, man. I, I didn't expect them just to get where they got. I didn't expect them to blow tempo out, and then I didn't expect to get blown out by Houston. So it was like Houston was like, hey, we Houston, y'all still got some step, y'all still gotta grow a little bit,
0: you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Hey, by the way, shout out Kelvin Sampson for the fit. He was rocking the uh
1: <laughs> the <cool laughs> rock that same outfit all week long
0: down yeah, in I too,
1: if I was him.
0: It yeah, was, sure. he rocked
1: yeah. that sweatpants and the red Jordan polo all it, weekend long. Extra drippy. You can't. Hey, hey, it wasn't just him either. That's the best part. It was the whole staff down. Well, you Helen got Jordan, Casey. You, you, yeah, you wearing. Were wearing no, yeah, wearing What you gonna wear? They all were wearing, wearing, wearing the wearing polos suit? with sweatpants.
0: Drip or drown. Yeah. Yeah, drip,
1: drip or Jordan. drown. But the, the Jordans is what uh topped off the uh.
0: They had
2: somebody who had to do, somebody had the twos on a on bench too. They did. I saw that. I saw that. that. I I saw, oh, I saw they killing them. They're here killing
0: them. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, l- listen, one thing about that Houston game Houston shot 51% from the field, whereas the Bearcats shot 25% from the field.
1: You know yeah. what's crazy about that statistic right there is Houston could not hit a basket the day before versus ECU. Could not hit a basket the day before. They shot 31% from the field.
0: That's how it 31. goes sometimes. That's how it and goes.
1: I thought for sure, he. I kind of could sense like the intensity while being down there in Fort Worth that they were not happy about the performance versus ECU because Ezra Asar for ECU finished with 18 and 19 versus Houston. And they had no, ECU had no offense. Outside of Assar, and they lost by just 13 points. But against- if you put up 18 and 19 but- versus a Houston team who's projected favorites to win the NCAA tournament, Listen. obviously he kind of knew something. He attacked the weak spot or something. He was doing something right because it worked.
0: Good teams don't good teams like Houston won't shoot that poorly two nights in a row. Yeah. If you and- if you don't beat them, if you don't kill the
2: dog while it's limping, like like against ECU. They're going, They're going. They're not going to do it two times. You know what I mean? It's like it's nope. like you got to take them out. Like you have to take them out. If they come out and they're playing sluggish. If you let them beat beat you, like the next team's really gonna pay. You know what I mean? Because they're not gonna they're not gonna do it twice. If, if they shoot thirty percent, and they damn sure ain't gonna shoot less than that. They are gonna shoot better next game. Or if they give up an X amount, say if they gave up eighty points at one game. That next game, they're probably gonna keep people in the high 60s or something. Or if they're not a good team, they're probably keep them in the 50s. No question. That's gonna keep. We'll say
1: Houston did not shoot well the second, the final game versus Memphis, which obviously got beat, but they were without Marcus Sasser. But the way they played Saturday or Sunday in the conference championship game was the exact same way they played Friday versus East Carolina. The exact same way. They got off to a slow start. Memphis came out and attacked early, but Houston just shot just 31% from the field versus Memphis. And, I mean, this was a Memphis team that has had no luck versus Houston in recent years, but they were up 20 at one point, 20 on Houston, and it was just Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams just cooking left yeah. and right.
0: I, I wish I wish the Bearcats could have uh, beaten Houston and, and made it to that championship game versus Memphis. I I don't I don't mind that matchup versus Memphis in the championship yeah. game. You know it, it is. Yeah. If you make it that far, you know it's any anybody's game. Yeah, for sure.
2: That's why I was so that's why I was so salty about them not being able to be on that side, being able to play them early. Like, playing Memphis second would have been yeah tough team, but I like that matchup a lot better than seeing Houston
0: second.
1: I'm there with I mean? you, JT. I do like that matchup better. But me personally, I think West would have had the Bearcats in a better position than what uh, Ron Hunter did versus Memphis. Obviously, they had that late-night game, and they had the quick turnaround. But by the time they got out of the arena, it was around midnight. Ron Hunter and them did not play until 5 p.m. in the afternoon that day. It might have even been a little bit later. But they got blown out by 40 by Memphis. 40 balled. And it just – nothing was going for them. But So, I don't think – that if they were on that side of the bracket, I don't think we would have responded the way Tulane responded after that late night. But Tulane responded awful. Like, they just could not get anything going. And Ron Hunter even said, like, yeah, I was kind of worried. Like, they came in this morning and everyone was pretty fatigued. So, yeah. but I mean.
0: Well, you know, there's there's so many adverse situations you deal with in a conference tournament. Much mm -hmm. like NCAA, you play a lot of games in a short amount of time, uh, there's travel involved that there's just so many, you know, factors. You're, you're towards the end of the season where guys are not only physically fatigued, they're mentally fatigued. And and, and that's something I want to talk about when we get to, uh, Virginia Tech here in a little bit about some mental fatigue and and being ready to play. So that's a good segue to our next tier topic. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by the Bearcats take on Virginia Tech March 15th at 9 p.m. at the Fifth Third Arena. We want to remind all Bearcat fans out there to visit Meals Pizzeria at 2634 Short Vine before and after all Bearcat football and basketball games. Get there early because the place is packed on Bearcat game days. Thanks to Kelly and Richard Meals for the support of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast. Now let's jump into the big old segment sponsored by Donahue Accounting Services. In this segment, we cover players to watch and key matchups. JT, who from the Bearcats needs to play well and why?
2: Yeah, I'm putting this one on. I um, Haven't mentioned his name as as the key person in a while, but this one's on on Big Vic, man. Victor Lockett has to have one of those games. And I don't. I haven't done my research on Virginia Tech like that, like I um, probably should. But at the same time, how he played against Houston, he cannot have another game where he plays like that. Um, rest of the season like yeah. you just can't um, and I think he has to have one of those games where he is effective down low um, gets about i say seven to ten rebounds I know he had seven blocks against Tem- uh, Temple but against Houston he was not the Vic that I come accustomed to watching on an consistent basis so I think he has to have like that 10 to 14 point game be effective seven to 10 boards and a few blocks. Like he has to affect the game and protect the paint. Cause if they have a repeat of um, performance like they did against Houston, then they'll be one and done in the NIT. You don't want that. So I I, I highly, my person that I'm highlighting right now is, is Victor
0: Lockin. You know what
1: I'm in on that.
0: Yeah. Hold on real quick. Let me say something real quick. Uh, In terms of Vic during the off season, one thing that i think vic has to really concentrate on is he has to he has to physically get stronger do a lot of um obviously strength training but um do training for injury prevention because he has so much potential i don't want him to become the, the ad anthony davis of uc basketball to where He's falling on the ground all the time. He's hurt every game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I don't mean to knock on the kid, but a lot of this stuff, I think he needs to rest up this offseason and at the same time really dedicate himself to that offseason strength training and injury prevention.
2: For sure, for sure. I mean, because this competition is just going to step up. I mean, he has all the talent in the world, too. So it's like it's just I I feel like he has to – be consistent. I think he was before the, the ankle injury. I thought he was, so I'm not knocking him as well, but I do need, we do need him to, he has to play very strong, I think, you know, um, against Virginia Tech, and if they win that game, he has to play strong throughout the NIT, and I think he's very important because um, if he's not in there holding it down in the paint or that, that you know, under the rim, it gets a little dicey because they're not as big. You know, Odie's solid and everything but big Vic was giving them consistent low post scoring and it's not it's been up and down since he can't he's come back so hopefully he can you know do good against virginia tech and finish it out right and then heal up and rest up and be able to do what he needs to do to be strong next year you know yeah you have-
1: and back to what i was saying before that i think people realize like as jt mentioned big Vic is gonna have to play well Virginia Tech obviously that's someone to keep an eye on for the Bearcats however that seven block performance down in Fort Worth was a he tied the conference tournament record for blocks but it was after a stat correction there was one that was tipped but it was debatable but it was with the stat correction after the stat correction if that stat correction didn't happen I should have said but if that stat correction doesn't happen he would have said a conference uh Conference tournament record for blocks. I mean, if he can give a performance like he did versus Temple, but get some points on the offensive end too, I think that's the performance you want, especially heading into this Virginia Tech team, which we will get into soon.
0: Now, Neil, Virginia Tech is 19-14 and right now. Who do we need to watch out for from Virginia Tech?
1: Yeah, so this – I'm going to go in a little different route with this one. So there's two guys that really stick to mind – For Virginia Tech and it was two guys that Wes Miller actually talked about in his press conference today. I'm going to start with uh, Justin Mutz. He's a guy who's six foot eight, but he's listed as a forward, but he is not a forward. He is more of a point guard slash forward. He will. He does a lot of different things for this team. I mean, you will see him bring the ball up. We've seen it in ACC play teams that have watched him this season. He does a lot for this team. I mean, he's averaging 13.2 points a game, seven boards, but he's shooting 57% from the field, roughly. 57%. Like, he's a very efficient offensive weapon uh, for Virginia Tech. However, this is a guy that is going to be playing a majority of the minutes as well. He's actually second in uh, minutes played on the team. But Justin Mutz, if any time you can get a guy who – is his size, six foot seven, six foot eight, that can bring the ball up. You know he's special. You know he's gonna be a guy who can really affect the game in many ways. So Justin Mutz is gonna be a guy to keep an eye on because when he gets hot, he can get hot. And then the second guy I'm gonna go with is Hunter Couture, one of the best three-point shooters in the country. Uh very good catch and shoot uh ability where he can get hot from going. This is another guy that's shooting this. Hunter Couture is shooting forty-four percent from deep, so if you let him get hot from behind the arc, they could—he could really turn things on for the Hokies. But then you look at their leading scorer, uh, forward Grant Basili, is averaging nearly seventeen points per game, uh, he's shooting forty percent from three and fifty-three percent from the field. Like this, this is a Hokies team where their record might look down, and you see 19 and 14, yeah, their record might kind of throw things off. And then if you really dig deep into this team, like if you've dug deep into this Virginia Tech team, and you look at their record, this is a Virginia Tech team who lost their first seven conference games, their first seven. But then you look down, and their first conference win of the season came versus Duke. So this is a team that's able to compete and able to get those wins on the road. But you look down, their first conference win was versus Duke. They beat Virginia. They beat Pittsburgh. Virginia is the top team in the NCAA tournament and was top 15 all season long. And then Duke was a team who kind of struggled and now is a top 10 team heading into March, uh, heading into this week's NCAA tournament. So this Virginia Tech team is a good team. You can't sleep on them. And I think really if you – it starts – with them they're such efficient three-point shooters they like to shoot the ball they really can get going from deep and that's something Wes Miller said today was their catch and shoot ability from behind the arc is something that makes them special but and he said there are very few programs in college basketball with play and shooting across the board that is so dimensional and it says it really starts with a guy like Justin Muntz and Hunter Couture but now that we're talking about this Virginia Tech team there's someone on the Bearcats who knows this Virginia Tech team very well, and that is Landers Nolly. The,
0: so, w- when Landers was there, does he does he know a lot
1: of these kids? Yeah, he actually played with a few of them. Hunter Couture was actually one of the guys he played with.
0: Okay was was Coach Young the coach when Landers was there?
1: I believe so. Yeah.
0: Okay, I didn't know that. The Big O segment is sponsored by Donahue Accounting Services. So, so, Neil, you already kind of touched on offensively what we can expect from uh, Virginia Tech. So, why don't you dive into a little bit more defensively what we can expect?
1: Yeah, they're going to pressure the ball. They're a very good defensive team. Obviously, outside of their offensive things, this is a team that averages 75 points a game uh, on the offensive end. But the defensive end, they're allowing 74 points per game, roughly. So it's kind of equal. It's balanced there, but overall they're going to come out. They're going to press the ball. They have long length. And that's what I've talked about with Justin Mutz, six foot seven, six foot eight guy. They have their guards uh, Forward Grant Basali is six foot six. Sean Padula is a sophomore guard who's six foot four. And Hunter Couture is also six foot four. Like they have great length for this team. Obviously, not the size of like what Victor Lockin or Odie Aguama is down there, seven, six, eleven seven footers, but their length at the guard play and their ability to defend the perimeter is what makes them a good team.
0: The big old segment is sponsored by Donahoo accounting services for friendly expert tax advice. Whenever you need it, come to Donahoo accounting services, a leading accounting firm in Cincinnati, Ohio. Our top notch accountants strive to help you resolve all your financial, and tax issues. Call Donahoo Accounting Services today for a free consultation at 513-528-3982 or visit com. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Taxly. The Kenyon segment is sponsored by Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota. This is where we cover the keys to the game. Now, JT, what do the Bearcats need to do to win? Alright, so
2: broken record time, but they they have to out-rebound them or at least keep it close. Don't turn the ball over um, at an alarming rate. But um, what I was, my little nugget I sprinkle sprinkling now is they have to control the paint and what they did against Houston, Houston dominating the paint. They can't allow Virginia Tech to come into fifth-third arena, aka the shoe, and dominate the paint. So even if the Bearcats don't score a lot in the paint, even if they can't allow Virginia Tech to live in the paint as well. So it's gonna be a double-edged sword, and I don't want they can't repeat against what they they can't do the habits they had against Houston against uh Virginia Tech. So I'll say keep that paint clean as possible, um and go from there. And then of course, shoot good shots, of course, but they they can't allow Virginia Tech just to get the shots they want because they're, they're a three-point shooting team. And then if you're allowing them to get to the hole, get layups and post up at, at will, then that's when stuff can get real hairy because then you're going to have to, it's going to be a lot of driving kicks. You don't want that.
0: Now, Neil, if the
2: Bearcats
1: want to win big, what do they need to do? I think in order for them to win big is they have to find a way to establish the ball inside to Victor Lockin and Odie Aguama early to allow the perimeter shooting to free up. But I would really like to see those two guys going early for the Bearcats tomorrow night here at Fifth Third Arena. Obviously, it's a late night start, 9 p.m. Fans are going to have to bring the energy. Obviously, it's going to be a tough one with spring break. So I think the fans, if they can show up and bring that energy, especially coming off a devastating loss to Houston, if the fans bring the energy, I think that will lift, this team up, and that's something Wes hit on today in his presser, whereas if the fans are there and continue to rock out like they have all season, I think that could lift them up and give them the momentum, but I think it starts inside for the Bearcats. You win the battle of the glass, you can get those two bigs and Odi Guama and Victor Lock and going early. I think they're in great hands. However, as JT mentioned, you cannot turn the ball over. Keep the turnovers under 10. If you can keep it under 8, I know that might be it might be a challenge but if you can keep it under 8 you are in very good hands tomorrow night.
0: The Kenyon segment is sponsored by Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota. Now, let me let me touch on the crowd. Neil, you were talking about the crowd. Um, you know, you look at NIT games and I think early on you usually don't see big crowds. I know we've got as you see on Spring Break right now or
1: Yeah, they're on spring break right now.
0: So right now, um, so I I don't I don't know what to expect from the crowd. Um, I think they're not. I I think they're closing off the upper bowl, if I'm not mistaken. I I don't think they're Uh, they're gonna open up the upper bowl. I think. Yeah, that's. I know people are trying to buy. Like, you hear about
2: the ticket situation. Yeah, weren't they selling like. Courtside for, court for like thirty
1: eight bucks, and then and
2: people nobody was getting, nobody got them, man. People were people were were trying to get. I mean, I know somebody got them, but yeah, yeah, like on it, like people were on it, like oh, I can get courtside for thirty eight. Yeah, and,
0: they gonna have they gonna have nuck nuck and all them front row <laughs> going. <yeah. laughs> 30, the, the, the hood, gonna gonna be, gonna be lit, be lit, man. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, so here's my thoughts on this game. In, in the NIT games, especially those first two NIT games, they're very tricky because, you know, weekend. And I think I think you guys have done a good job of breaking down what the Bearcats need to do and all that. But I think at the end of the day, the NIT games, it's who wants it, who wants to win it the most. And yeah. it, it is back to that I talked about mental fatigue. Being a bigger factor than the physical fatigue. It's like, what team really wants it? Because it's not as prestigious as the uh, NCAA tournament where guys are all excited, you know. But at the same token, this would be great for the Bearcats to win it all, like to go and win the entire NIT tournament. You mean you look at Xavier last year? They go and win the NIT, right? And, And in my opinion, I think that really helped them in a lot of ways lead to some of the success they had this season. So I think the Bearcats have to look at it, staff, players that are coming back, and everybody included that, hey, listen, we're, we're going to win this whole thing. There's no question we're going to go out there. And, and Coach has to do a really good job of motivating these players to understand that this is a, another huge building block for this program. And it's not always easy motivating you know young people for – IT first, second round games. So we will see what happens. Um, and you never know what goes on in the mindset of some of these kids because let's be very honest, there are players on the Bearcat team, and I'm not saying I know who it is or anything like that because I don't, but they are guys thinking about the portal right now, yeah. thinking about jumping in the portal or thinking about those things. That that can impact how they play. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, that at the end of the day, you, you don't know who all is going to be back next year. That's going to play, that's going to have some impact in in how some of the guys play. Unfortunately, it's just the nature of the business of basketball where we are right now.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned the NIT there, Alex, like how they could be a great building block for the future. Looking back at recent years of teams who were in the NIT that now are dominating at an elite level, Tennessee is a great example of that from a few years ago. They went and won the NIT. Yep. Look what happened. Look who won it last year, Xavier. Now a three seed heading into the NCAA tournament. Yep. So the NCAA teams, yeah, like you're – if everyone's hating right now, like, oh, it's the NIT. The NIT is a great opportunity. I'll be the first to say it right now. This is a great opportunity to build that momentum because, A, you're playing in March, but you look at the NIT bracket – there's a lot of great teams within this NIT bracket. You look down, you see an Oklahoma state, you see Cincinnati, you see a Rutgers team who got beat tonight, but overall, there's a lot of great teams in this bracket and people are kind of upset about it. Oregon's a great team. Like there is a lot of great talent within this NIT bracket. I mean, I'm looking, looking at the bracket right now, but You're looking at it. There's a North Texas team that is 27 and seven right now. Colorado played some teams very well. Clemson was one of the biggest snubs out of the NCAA tournament. Michigan state obviously got the win tonight. That's a great team. So overall, there's a lot of great talent. Florida UCF is in there. Wisconsin. Like these aren't easy teams within the NIT. Like these are all teams with very great talent. So, People think like, oh, the NIT, we shouldn't have accepted it. That's wrong. That is false. And well, I'll say it right now. I, that I is don't, false.
0: I don't. I don't did, did, were, were people saying that they shouldn't accept the NIT bid? Were people saying
1: yeah.
0: that? mm mm-hmm. uh, You're on mute, JT. Were they, people really saying that on, uh, like, social media? Yeah, on- also on social media, for sure. Oh, man. That's crazy. There
1: were teams opting out of the NIT. Obviously, North Carolina was, like, very first early on to opt out. That's
0: understandable. I I can understand UNC. I
1: understand that. Dayton opted out. Then there's other teams that start to opt out. But obviously, I think this is a perfect building block right now, especially knowing the track record. We saw Tennessee turn it around. Xavier turned it around, as I mentioned earlier. Like, it's a perfect opportunity. You're still playing in March. It's still a very competitive tournament. I I, think it is a great opportunity.
0: Listen, I I, I don't – I don't understand why fans would even think that we shouldn't accept the bid to the NIT. Like, you got to understand, like, to as a fan, you have to understand the process, man, the, the process it takes to get yourself to an elite level, man. You can't have the arrogance to think you know, we are the most elite program or at some, some level we're, we're, we're going to get there, but it's, it's, it's a process, man. I, yeah. I'm i shocked that the people were out there saying, it. I didn't know that because I, I don't really see it on Twitter. So.
1: Uh, yeah. I saw it earlier in the day, but then it kind of hit me too when I was seeing it, obviously it was right after the press conference, but something that stood out to me from Wes Miller today from the press conference was this quote right here that says, there is something about being in a program that does not have a spring break. You don't want to be a spring break program. And we've talked about that with our guys. We have to get back to being Cincinnati back back to when Cincinnati basketball doesn't even think about spring break. And the important thing is that we've taken that step to show we're not a spring break program because at this time of year, a lot of teams are checking out. If they don't get that bid that they want, they think, okay, spring breaks here, let's check out. But it's great to hear a lot. And that's a great insight too, that, they want to get this program back on track, like
0: oh, they're you. happy, with it, it. yeah. He things are things that get back on track. I'm not, I'm not concerned about that, um, at all. So, oh, yeah. um, JT, did you want to add something? Yeah, I,
2: yeah, people, you know, man, people ain't never happy. <laughs> like, of course, I understand, like, being you know, they lost some games they could have won, okay, that's cool, but you know, going only be dealing with the definites now. You, you know, it is what it is, they lost to Houston. Hey, NCAA was out. I mean, go to NIT, still can. I mean, it's a good. I Means on ESPN, it's it still gets good views. It probably is going to help for recruiting. I mean, just think about it, man. You're like, look, I was this close to making it. It's just a good pitch, man. I just know how I will be able to use it if I was a coach. Like oh yeah. if I was able to get this close. Boom. If I add you and you playing 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes on this team, I'll be able to do this. You know what I'm saying, so yeah. I just think going to the Big Twelve, you, it, it's it's gonna sell itself. But with somebody like West, it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be cool. Um, It's just, and you don't like in the Big Twelve, man. You just look at the bracket now. You don't have to be 500 in that conference.
1: And West Virginia is a prime example of that. You just gotta have
2: the right wins. You had the right wins, and you just battle and just don't disrespect yourself on an existing basis you can you can you can make it like it's no ifs ands or buts about it like so it's, it's gonna be a hell of a conference a hell of an adjustment but you get the right people in I mean you can I think you can you can make the tournament next year it's just gonna be a, a monster I know I'm getting a little jumping over to NIT now but it's I think the NIT is going to help with recruiting people are just being short-sighted on that
0: yep I agree with that. Now, I will say this. Uh, on the Virginia Tech side, uh, Coach Mike Young, uh, their head coach, uh, he's actually I, I know him very well. Uh, so he's recruited a ton of our shining star players. So I've gotten to know him over the years. Great dude. Like he he is truly one of the great, great guys in, in college coaching. And he's a high level coach. Like I remember when um, gosh, I forget what year it was when they made uh, the NCAA tournament when he was with uh, what was he Winthrop and yeah. he was running some sets and like other coaches for high level programs were stealing his sets like they were like these yeah. are these are great like he's a high level coach. Yeah. And I will tell you this, whenever he comes to Cincinnati to recruit, now I know he probably doesn't do it um, as much as he used to. Um, his favorite, he told me, and I've seen him there several times. His favorite place to go is Montgomery Inn. he mm. loves some Montgomery and ribs. So if you guys, if you guys see him in, in the press or anywhere, just mention Montgomery and ribs and that'll get him talking. Um, mm. the only other thing that worries me, and you know, this is the last thing I have. The only thing that worries me about Virginia tech, um, as Neil talked about a little bit, some of the teams they played, you know, being in that league, they're in the ACD, They're 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 battle tested. You know, they may have not beaten a lot of those teams, but they've played them. You know, and that's something to be said. They're not going to come in here, you know, scared of us. That's for sure. No, no, that's that's for damn sure. Yeah. So that's that's, I mean, that's the one thing I do I do worry about. Um, you know, but we we will see what happens. Neil, do you want to add something?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we have talked about earlier. Like, they might have started conference play 0-7 to start. But if you look back at the record, the resume, the, a- the ACC, like, you got you got some tough teams. Virginia's the top team. And then you have Duke, who's now playing its best basketball. UNC is always a battle. Clemson's had one of its best seasons. Miami Florida. Pitt took off this year. Like, AAC had some talent this year. However, I still, I will say this personally, I think Virginia's overrated. But... The ACC has had some talent this year. And I mean, you can't sleep on them just because their record states 19 and 14. Like, yeah, UC's is 21 and 12 or 21 and 11, one of the two. But either way, yeah, we might have the better record on paper, but you can never doubt a team like this, especially heading into March. Like, Virginia Tech's going to come in and they're going to play their, their game.
0: Yeah. Everyone knows
1: that. So I think it'll be a fun one. But overall, like, I think we got a battle on our hands tomorrow night.
0: So let's let's do this. JT, uh, your prediction. Oof, man, if
2: they don't have like a Houston hangover, then I feel like the Bearcats will eke out a single-digit win. Okay. Neil?
1: Yeah, I'm right there with JT. I think it will be a single-digit win. However, I believe the early line was five in favor of UC okay well I think I think they get it done however as as JT mentioned it will be to see how they come with the uh response of losing at Houston on Saturday I mean Wes Miller said they had a great practice yesterday said the energy was there they were happy to keep playing and they said the energy was in the right spot so let's see uh we'll we'll see but I think overall the Bearcats will get this one I,
0: I I think we'll I think we'll get the dub if, if we win or oh, let me say this. Let me be positive. When we win, who do we play next? Is that Hostra? We'll play Hostra.
1: And it would be in New York.
0: It'd be at Hostra. Yeah. Yeah, it would be in New York.
1: They
2: technically would be here, but they had um, they have stuff
1: for graduation, graduation where they, they have got to,
2: to do the floor. So they, they had to push it back. They, that's how they're able to host this game. Uh, they were able to push it back, but they can't push it back anymore. Otherwise it'll be off. I think mean, they got like multiple graduations. Okay. Um, people are pissed about that too. I had um tweeted that out, and people were like, they don't care about winning and blah blah blah. I'm like, <laughs> no, it's deeper than basketball, man. Like, you think they don't want people they don't want to have people in the thing? Like, it's about being a legit organization. Like, it's <laughs> like seven graduations or some shit like that, that yeah. they gotta host. You know what I mean? Yeah, for like, sure. Ah, I was Like, bro, people were pissed that they were in the NIT, and then <laughs> when they yeah, and get out of the game now. Everybody's mad, like, come on, man, just, just chill, man. Just
0: everybody, keep, keep, everybody, keep you. Happy. you can't keep everybody happy, it's impossible. Ever. It's, nope. And everyone's
1: hating on the NIT like it's not a good tournament. Yeah. Everyone thinks it's like, oh, NIT, we don't care. Look at is a great example of a team yeah. that made it in the NIT that just pulled off the upset versus the number one team in the NIT and Rutgers. So, I mean, yeah, it's the NIT. It's not what everyone hoped for within the NCAA tournament. However, it's still a national tournament. You're still getting great exposure. You're playing teams that you wouldn't play within the season. You're getting the opportunity to continue to play into March deep. And if you can go and win an NIT, you know what goes up in that rafter, right? A banner. If you can add another banner – Fans are gonna be happy.
0: Well, and, and I think I think JT probably made uh, one of the best points in that. I think winning an NIT helps for recruiting. Yeah, that's all I yep. care about. Because no,
2: nobody really care about. I mean, the coaches and stuff. That's what they got to do to motivate the players. Fans ain't gonna care about the NIT banner. Um, they're not like even if the Bearcats go and win it, like we'll be happy. Like they'll be happy, but they're not gonna care about the banner. The only thing like. I feel like it's just pure recruiting and seeing who's going after they really can't find out who's going to stay and not stay until the season's over. So that's going to delay that, but they probably know some people that, you know, X, Y, Z, but it's recruiting, man. You got another, you got another, another realm and you got ways to show them. Like, look, we're playing this team. I think we get you, you know what I mean? It's just, I think it's just a way to be able to put something on table table or tape late in the season and be able to hopefully get some kids that come in here and make them big 12 ready um because they, they definitely have it's a, it's a hell of a gap between aac as a whole and the big 12 it's not that not not going to sugarcoat that yeah so they're going to have to step it up otherwise next year will get freaking ugly so people how, have to make jumps. How, how ugly like Yes, it's very, very peash masterpiece shoes. <laughs> Maniatties. Some things, ugly, man. But we don't want that, man. We don't, wanna, we we don't want don't it to get like shoes. you know. We don't want to get uh not made for HD ugly out here. So you <laughs> want it? <laughs> to be
0: hey, <laughs> speaking <laughs> of all that, uh, let me let me just let me just throw ahead. real real quick before you <laughs> before you go with masterpiece shoes. So go um, go ahead. The the, the the portal's popping. The portal's oh, it's popping. already popping. Man. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hey, the portal's like a nightclub, man. Thing it is, is. man. Like, <laughs>
2: damn, people are not waiting for the season to end. They're like, I'm in the portal. I'm like, dang, I didn't know you could announce
0: in the basketball
2: side of things already. I was like, oh, okay. In man, it's,
0: it's wild. And, and, and my, my whole thing is this. So, you know, looking at next year, next season for the Bearcats, there are going to be plenty of, of players in the portal. Um, obviously, there's the upper echelon that everyone's going to be fighting for. Yeah. Right? And then you've got your your second tier and your third tier, but they are going to be so many guys in the portal over the... I don't know when the portal closes, when the nightclub closes, but... Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> but they're, <laughs> going be, yeah, they're going to it's be... Got,
2: it's Vegas hours in the portal, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I think
1: they have, have, I think the number I saw in the first day was like by noon, the first day, like 170 college athletes, like college basketball players, were in the portal. 170 yeah. by noon,
0: That's over wow. the weekend. So, That's- Neil, one Neil, one stat I want you to find out for me. Um, but not, you don't have to do it, you know, right now. But, but for the next one is for for last year, how many kids entered the portal total, and then how many kids that entered the portal did not land at a school
1: so basically mm. out there i'd be interested wouldn't you be interested in i think yeah. i think i looked that up not too long ago and i believe the number might sound crazy but i believe the number was close to 50 percent from the last time i looked oh, i would have to double check it that's, but i'd have to double check it you got you got 50% double check. you got, you got to yeah. check that.
2: that's, that's if, if
1: they had 1400 players enter the portal last season
2: so, cats wouldn't even go in like low, like being like, all right, I play for what they do the portal. I, I think it
1: was close to 40, 50% range, if I remember mm-hmm. right. I know it was one statistic I saw. I don't know whether it was college football or college basketball. Obviously, I was following both, so I might have confused it, but I will definitely yeah. double check it. But I know the yeah. number was high. You yeah, got to double check that. That's <laughs>
0: crazy. Yeah, we gotta make sure we get the right the right numbers on that. And it, then, like, what happens to those kids? Like, what do they yeah. what did they go and do? Were they were they yeah. hooping like in the rec center or yeah, like,
2: that's what I'm saying. It's like, imagine you go and hoop and like dude was in a portal. <laughs> he might not have been like the guy, but he was averaging like three points and yeah. three rebounds, and this dude's like playing intramurals now, <laughs> giving out buckets, and like he was like, damn, he couldn't even go to um this. Is, Minnesota State, <laughs>
1: like, Minnesota. like what? What's going on here? Like, yeah, we
0: we we've got to do a little more research on that. Yeah, yeah. I might yeah I'm looking have to right now, that one.
1: It says around fourteen hundred. at the uh, portal last season.
0: Okay. Do you see I'm the looking, next? What's the next? Okay, you're looking.
1: Yeah, I'm looking for it right now.
0: And and I I've, I've been fascinated with this for a while, and I've been thinking about it, and I've never looked it up. Yeah. yeah, Thinking to myself, okay, there's got to be a group of guys that just didn't land anywhere. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, Because it could be a
2: lot of magnitude of things, like like getting told bad information. It yeah. could be like, like you know what I mean, like grades for shaky, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. then still, if you landed in a portal, if you still got JUCO eligibility, like, that counts as
0: landing, right? I would think, right? I I I don't. I don't know oh, do all the. I don't know do all the the yeah. rules. I, I saw that. Um, Mikey. Um,
1: uh, yeah, he he went on, to uh McNeese State with Will Wade. In, him in him in, and Zach. Harvey. Zach
0: Harvey. Zach Harvey's there too.
1: Yep. He yeah, both just left UC Irvine and, and went to McNeese State as well. Wow! Wow! But, I got a stat right here. It says, this is from 2020 or 2021. According to the transfer portal dashboard data published on April 25th of 2021, just 50% of athletes who entered the transfer portal in 2021 enrolled at another NCAA school. 40%, 43% are still exploring their options.
2: So, so I wonder NCAA would that count? Like, and I, I guess it's in a, I mean, NAIA God. as
1: well would be considered in there as well. Oh, damn. I would that's, assume so, at least.
0: That's crazy. That's crazy. We yes. need
1: to,
0: we're, going, we're going to need to do another podcast on this at some point to, to dive into that a little bit more. The Kenyan segment, Keys yeah. to the Game, was sponsored by Greg Hood and Beachmont Toyota. Come see fellow Bearcat Greg Hood and Beachmont Toyota for all your Toyota needs, cars, trucks, and SUVs. Greg Hood in the beachmont Toyota is ready to help you get into your new Toyota. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Taxley. The Twyman segment is sponsored by 93 Ways to Mentor. Now, this is where we cover hot topics. Now, listen, you know what time it is. It's the NCAA tournament time. So we need to get everybody's prediction here on who they think will make the final four and end up being the champion. So, JT, we're going to start with you
2: all right cool so i'm going arizona coming out the south sorry bama fans if y'all listen <laughs> um, i'm gonna roll if sasser's fine i got houston coming to coming out to midwest if sasser is gimped up i feel like texas will come out but i'm going houston houston out the midwest okay out the west i'm rolling with kansas Okay. Um, and I'm torn on this one. I don't know if it's me covering, watching a lot of the games. I feel like Memphis is going to come into a battle in the Elite Eight. Uh, I think they're going to beat Purdue second round. Mm. Um, I don't have any trust in Tennessee. Um, I think Duke's going to get popped sooner than people think. Uh, Marquette. I think Marquette and Duke, Marquette and Memphis will play in the Elite Eight. Yeah, I feel like Marquette may squeak them, but I would not be shocked if Memphis pulls it off. But um, I'll go Marquette coming out the east. So Marquette, um, Kansas, uh, Houston, and Arizona.
1: And Memphis is your sleeper team, correct?
2: Yeah, they're my sleeper team out on that in out of the east. Because I feel like UConn out of the west could possibly, if they play right, they could possibly make a run. And they will play Kansas in the Sweet 16, if it all went out, went chalk, um, I think they can beat them. And then UCLA is in the, in the West as well. It'd be interesting as well. Um, but, yeah, I think the West honestly might be the toughest the toughest uh, draw for everybody, whoever got that, whoever's in that one. I think that might be the toughest draw from what, I,
0: what I'm looking at. So who do you have in the championship game? In the championship
2: ch- game, Arizona. I'm going to go Arizona- in Houston in Arizona wins. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. All
0: right. It's All
2: faster, right. But if otherwise I'll go, I'll go the other one. But yeah, I'm gonna go Arizona Houston. Okay. Um, I, feel, I just feel like they play, they play tough, man. They play tough. They're gonna grind it out. And if you don't you don't you don't kill them while they playing shooting bad,
1: then they're gonna get you. Neil. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna go a little different route than JT. I'm gonna take Arizona. Out the uh out the south. I'm gonna go Texas out of the Midwest. Marquette is playing its best ball of the season. Tyler Kolick is proving his quote from the beginning of the year. His uh when they asked him, How did you feel about Marquette being picked, projected to finish ninth in the Big East? He hit him with the big F. He's playing his best ball of the year, one player of the year, conference tournament champions, regular season champs. He's back in the talk up. I would not bet against Marquette right now. But out of the West, I'm going with UCLA. I like the draw for UCLA. I really do. UCLA is playing some of their best ball right now. But, however, my sleeper team right now, JT hit on it, Memphis. They're playing their best ball this season. I really like that draw for Memphis. You get an FAU team who has not played anybody. They're most of the majority, like, big, quote-unquote, big wins have come against quad three and quad four wins. So obviously they're sitting 31 and three on the season, but Memphis is playing some of their best ball right now. And I saw it in person in Fort Worth. They're playing some of their best ball. Kendrick Davis is on a whole nother level. DeAndre Williams is a mismatch for everyone. However, yes, he is 26. However, (laughs) there's going to be people talking about it. Memphis is playing some of their best ball. Penny Hardaway, is doing a fantastic job leading this uh, Memphis team this season. But I, I just hate that miss. I hate that matchup for Purdue. I hate it. Purdue will be the first one seed to go. And I'm going to say it right here. Live Purdue will be the first one seed to go. I think if they get Memphis in the round of 32, I think Memphis's guard play will be the difference maker. Purdue has struggled to a press the last few, few weeks. Obviously we saw it in the big 10 tournament. We've seen it all year. If we, uh, watch the team; their guard plays just not gonna help them. Obviously, Zach Eady is a walking double double. Everybody knows that. But if I'm Memphis, I like the body of Malcolm Dandridge and DeAndre Williams versus Zach Eady. However, the Duke Oral Roberts game—you can't sleep on that game either. I I can't go with Tennessee out the East because Tennessee has been able to choke all season. But the team, the the region, I'm I'm very interested in is the South region. I thought Alabama got a horrible draw. I mean, you're looking at the South region. You have Alabama at the one, Arizona at the two, Baylor at the three, and Virginia at the four. Like, those are four high-power teams. I think Virginia is going to be the one that struggles the most, but Baylor, a potential Baylor versus Arizona matchup will be very fun to watch, but I don't think if Alabama is to get to the Sweet 16 versus Arizona – I don't see Bama going anywhere. I think Bama has a great guard in Brandon Miller, obviously, but Arizona's just style of play. Like, Tubelas and Ballo down low, they have great guard play. They have everything there. Me, personally, I'm taking Arizona to win with it all. We've been I've been saying it since December. I think this is the year Arizona gets it done. However, I think it's going to be Arizona versus, I believe, UCLA or Texas in the national championship game with Arizona winning it all?
0: The tournament segment is sponsored by 93 Ways to Mentor. Well, this is crazy um, because I have this written out. This is my brackets. This is actually kind of crazy. In the south, I have Arizona. In the east, I have Marquette. Um, in the west, I have UCLA. In the Midwest, nobody's mentioned this team. In the Midwest, I have Indiana. 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 So
1: <laughs> J- oh, I, I like, I like that pick. However, yep.
0: let me well, hold on. Let me. Let uh, me. yellow. Yeah, I oh, all do. All right, go, go, hey, go ahead. Enough. Go you ahead. You do
1: the
2: curveball on me on Indiana. Yeah, yeah. You do
0: over there. Let me. Do I need my to hear the reasoning why. Yeah. So let I tell you my teams and then I break it down. So okay. So my final four, Arizona versus Marquette, Uh, you know, we've all said this. I thought from the beginning of the year, Arizona was one of the best teams that I've watched. Marquette, I'm just impressed with the job that Chaka's doing. I think they've got great pieces. I see Arizona uh, winning that game versus Marquette. Now, (coughs) that IU-UCLA, the reason I have IU coming out is because I watched – I went to an IU game um, at IU this year. And it was at a time when they were playing really, really well. Um, and they, they just, man, they got a lot of really good pieces. They got a pro on their team. And I think they could get hot. I don't think the Midwest is a great bracket. Um, actually, I think it's kind of weak outside of, um, obviously, Houston. But we don't know where uh, Sasser's at with, with everything going on with him. But I've got IU sneaking out out of there. Um, UCLA, I watched them versus Arizona the other night. I've watched UCLA several times this year. I'm impressed with UCLA. I think this is uh, Mick Cronin has done a great job of blending. I think what he's done at the University of Cincinnati in terms of his defensive you know, mindset and then getting that West Coast offense and blending them. They're a fun team to watch, man. I I really enjoy watching UCLA. I don't get to watch them a lot, but the times I've watched them, I really enjoyed them. So I've got UCLA coming out of that, making it to the championship game. So I have a rematch of the Pac uh, 12 championship Arizona versus UCLA, and then Arizona winning it all, just like they did in the uh, Pac 12 championship.
1: Yeah, I I like that. I like that pick. However, what scares me about UCLA. Is they just lost Jalen Clark for the season, one of their best on-ball defenders, arguably one of the best defenders in the country. That's what's worrisome for me about UCLA. But I think I think we see Mick Cronin in UCLA in the Final Four.
0: Yeah, I, I like. The, I think he's done a great job. I mean, one you know, Coach of the Year in the league. I think he's done a really good job with this group. He's got some veteran guys. He's got some guys that have been there. Um, his you know, his point guard. What I really like. What's what's Bob Marley's real name? I call him Tell Bob. You.
1: Oh, you're talking about Tiger Campbell?
0: Tiger. Yeah, I always call him Bob Marley. So so Tiger, the the thing about him is, man, he does a great job of running the show. When he gets fouled and goes to the free throw line, he usually makes his free throws. I know he missed that one free throw versus uh Arizona in the championship game, but um I don't know. I just like the pieces they have and the job that that Mick has done with that team this year. So um, but hey, I've got a um I've got a curveball here. JT, you ready for this? Go for it. Go for it. Well, okay. Let me. Let me. I'm gonna throw this out real quick, and then I'll jump into my. I've got something for a a special surprise for you guys. My sleeper team, though, the one team I think could make it to the Final Four is UConn. Um,
1: I can see it. I can see it. I watched
2: UConn.
0: JT, it sounds like you're upstairs. (laughs)
2: Wow, I'm <laughs> trying to put this, make this tea real quick. I didn't think you caught me with the curveball. But uh, so, well, it's not you, you left. <laughs> yeah, nah, my bad, my bad. But, um, <laughs> but, well, <laughs> say, so, yeah, you kind of, I watched them play. Like when, they, when they're playing right, because they got a few, like, real big guys, and yeah. they got a couple of, like, like they got a real good guard.
1: Um, Tristan Newton's out there too. Who we've all seen within the AAC. They got some dude, what's his name, like
2: Jackson or something like that. Got braids, man. Dude's like 6'9". I feel like he got a jumper and he got bounced. Like he dun- he dunks on people like nothing. Like you let him get any momentum, like you on a poster. So like, nah, he, he's pretty legit. I watched him a few times. They normally play like the early games on Sunday. Not Sunday, but yeah. Saturday. So been able to catch him in a little bit. But yeah, they play right, man. They can be anybody.
0: They got they real good defensively as well. And you remember at one point during the season, UConn was one of the hottest teams in America. Yeah. I remember they they were one of the hottest teams, and they went at Xavier, and I think Xavier beat them that game. Yep. And everyone was like, UConn's gonna roll yep. Xavier, but UConn. Um, I, I think, like you said, when they're when they're all clicking, if if they get to that point and they click, um, they've got the pieces. So that's yeah. that's why. My sleeper now. Now, here's something I want to throw at you guys real quick. So I gave a bracket to my mother, who does not watch college basketball. And I had her fill it out. Are you ready for my mom's final four and champion? Yeah, go for Let's it. Hear. Go for it. It's about to be fire. Hers going to mess around. And be now, now, listen she to this. the
1: one that wins this money.
0: Listen to this. She doesn't even – she didn't even see the seating that's what's crazy like on the thing i printed up the you know the like you the
2: gave number. Her a
0: bootleg one like, no. <laughs> When you go to the NCAA site and you print up the bracket they have it prints it up in the middle it like it it's it, it i wish i could show you guys but <laughs> like, oh, for whatever reason so she really couldn't see and she does not un- even understand the seating so she's just going off of like location and and like Part of it was, right. I think she looked at who was the top of each, like whose name was up at the top of like, oh, Okay. Now. but anyway, so her final four is, keep in mind, she's not watched one college basketball game this year. She doesn't know any of these teams, didn't watch, doesn't watch college basketball. Nice. Her final four is Alabama, Purdue, Houston, and UConn. Hmm. So
2: she, she kind of a- snuck through like, because UConn's is what, three or four? They are a four seed. Four, four, that's crazy. So UConn snuck through, like, even though, like, Purdue, I don't think they're going to do it. But that's still crazy that she didn't have the numbers, and she's still Purdue. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Houston. Isn't, and she had, like, one outlier. You know what I mean? Like,
0: yeah. that's crazy. That's I'm crazy. looking at this thing, I'm like, and then the championship game, she has Alabama versus Houston, and she has Houston winning it all. That's um, fair. I'm, it how bizarre is that? Like that's I'm, I'm, crazy. I'm figuring I'm gonna get Florida Atlantic. Yeah, um, yeah.
2: Like nice North. names. <laughs> you know what I mean? She'd be like northern
0: Kentucky for,
2: <laughs> You know what I'm saying?
0: No, that was you know what? This bracket's her bracket's gonna do better than mine. That's just the what
2: way I mean, man, that's how it goes, man. It goes. Yeah.
1: And you guys want to know another sleeper team who we can all talk about briefly? How are we feeling about that uh VCU St. Mary's matchup? Five versus
2: twelve. B- I think VCU gonna pop them. Because St. Mary's think, I'm they there with athletic, you. They only got like they're not athletic, Logan Johnson,
1: former UC Bearcat, Logan Johnson. That is all their offense has. Yeah.
2: The point guard is okay, but he ain't he a freshman. I think he'll be good. And I think he's like good in the West Coast conference. I don't know. I think I feel like VCU, They always be having some rough riders, like kids that be like barely got a scholarship, so they just going balls to the wall, and they they develop. That's why that's where Shaka was at for a minute, right? Where he got his name, BCU. That's,
0: yeah, that's where he kind of he got. Yeah, that's where he got his name. But like,
2: but VCU's always been solid. And the A10 is all, is a legit conference. Like that's probably one of the most underrated conferences in college basketball.
0: The tournament segment was sponsored by 93 Ways to Mentor. 93 Ways to Mentor is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that specializes in empowering youth in the greater Cincinnati area through mentoring, therapy, education, and financial support. To support, visit the website 93WaysToMentor.com or contact Derek Adams at 513 310 Seventeen fifteen. Now, fellas, this concludes another great podcast. Thanks to all of our sponsors: Taxly, Donahue Accounting Services, Greg Hood in Beachmont Toyota, and Ninety Three Ways to Mentor. We want to remind all Bearcat fans out there to visit Meals Pizzeria at twenty six thirty four Short Vine before and after all Bearcat football and basketball games. Get there early because the place is packed on Bearcat game days. Thanks to Kelly and Richard Meals for the support of the Bearcat Tip Off Talk podcast. The Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast is presented by Taxly. Taxly offers the first apprenticeship program for careers in tax law and consulting. So for those who thought the CPA was the only way to a prestigious tax career, let Taxly show you the importance of becoming an enrolled agent. Visit Taxly.com to learn more. Now, one thing we don't know, we don't know if this is the last podcast. We don't know. The Bearcats have to win. Well, we're probably going to do another podcast to wrap things up, but we hope that we're going to do a couple more. How many more could we possibly have if they make it to the championship game? Let's see. Uh, one, two, three,
2: four. Four more. Okay. To make it championship
0: game. Let's, let's get four more podcasts. Yes. Yeah. Now, are you guys uh, going to the game? Yes, sir. Yep. Good. Well, you guys will have to hold it down for me. I have uh work stuff, I have AU stuff going on. Uh so I will not be able to make it. So you gotta hold it down. For sure, for sure. Now we're gonna hold it down. Did you JT did you buy
2: a $38 front row courtside seat ticket? Nah, but everybody that I knew was trying to do it, they didn't get it, so it wasn't meant for me to get yeah. It. <laughs> but uh I I I thought about it though, just be like just because did you? Yeah. yeah, why not? Right? 38 plus tax. That ain't bad. That's it. That's definitely a win. No, nah, but uh, <laughs> no question. I want to see who it is. Like, I I want to get there slightly early just so I can see who is out of <laughs> those seats. I hope somebody nobody that's going to be snoozing. Like, you let know, me know. Yeah,
0: yeah. That be. <laughs> yeah. Hey,
1: so. last, last home game, it was T Higgins and uh, Bearcat legend Sam Martin. What? I said last home game, they had T. Higgins sitting courtside, and Bearcats legend Sam Martin was right behind him. Oh, nice. He nice, Right behind the bench, courtside.
0: Didn't know that. Didn't know that. Man. Nice. Shout out. I it from the
1: sand, so I had that good eyesight where I saw it.
0: Shout out Sam Martin. Was T. Higgins wearing a hood?
1: He was wearing like a gray Nike outfit. Or not a gray, like a – Beige, Nike jacket, Nike sweats. It was a whole same color top and bottom. Uh, yeah,
2: Nike tech fit, probably. Yeah. I think he yeah, had Nike tech fit. My question was, did he have his hood up?
1: No.
0: He ha- he didn't have his hood up? Mm-mm. Wow. He usually wears the hood up in, in public, which, which kills me because I tell some of these guys that are on a professional level, like, if you're going to wear your hood up because you don't want people to notice you, Like, what was the guy that played for the Bengals, Dre, um, Dre, what was his name? Patrick. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So I see him one time, and he's got his hood up at the Bearcat game. I'm like, why you got your hood up, bro? He's like, man, I want people to, like, notice me. I'm like, you're the only one in here with a hood up, so they're going to look at you, like, that makes (laughs) more noticeable. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, man, that's true. That's like, oh, you
2: watch the show Atlanta. I have not seen it. Oh, man. So it's the episode. <laughs> my fault before the end. episode, exactly what you're saying. Like it's the rapper, the paper boy, he's in the mall. He has a hat on, right? But he mm-hmm. has a hat on with no logo, nothing. And the lady, the lady's like, You paper boy. She's like, How you know? I, I'm in here looking incognito. He was like, You you know how hard it is to find a hat with nothing on it? <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> That's true. Like, that made me that made me notice you even more. He'd be like, oh. he like, oh, snap. That, oh man. So yeah, hey, that's my, pretty much what it is. My buddy, my buddy keeps telling me I need to watch. Um is uh, hilarious, man. It's, it's over now. So like now you just be you be watching it.
0: Yeah. I want to check yeah. that out. By the way, I was watching um a Netflix doc documentary on uh that plane that went missing. Um did, did, I, did I tell uh, you guys about that? No, nah, not the plane. No. It's a documentary. I know are talking
2: about though. Yeah, I didn't know they had the documentary on the plane. I don't need to watch that. Yeah. What's that? Burn all people or whatever.
0: It's like the, the. It was the Malaysian plane. It just disappeared in in thin air. Man, it is crazy. Man, that's that makes you that makes you really wonder like what's what's really going on out there. So I I suggest uh, you definitely check that out. We want to thank all Bearcat fans out there for listening to another episode of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Taxley. Go Bearcats!